All right. When we last left our heroes, Peter and John, they had just healed a guy that was outside the gate at the temple. And the disciples, they go every, maybe every day, maybe multiple times a day. As just as often as they could, they're going to the temple. And the temple is kind of like the mall. It's just this huge, huge space. And there's all kinds of different religious things happening there. Because religion, religious activities were such a, a part of daily life. Um, way beyond anything we could imagine, you guys. Um, if, we, if, we saw, if we saw people living the way they lived then... The, now in 2021, we would think of a monastery because um, in the first century, in, around that time, people would wake up. It, you see this if you watch The Chosen. You still have time. You, the Chosen show. Every time people wake up in that show, they, they say a prayer. There's a special prayer that you say when you wake up in the morning. There's a special prayer that you say when you um, do this various activity or that various activity. When you, um, you, know, you let the sheep out for the morning, there's a prayer that you say over them. That, you know, how we have, we have prayers that we pray when we eat. You know, we just now recited the Lord's Prayer. They had all kinds of that in every single thing. When the sun would go down and it was time to go to bed, you would pray the same prayer and most of them were psalms. You were reciting different passages of psalms in those times. And so, with religion being such a deep part of their daily life, you go to the temple because that's kind of where all of that is happening. And so, the, all the disciples, the new believers, there's a couple hundred of them at this point. Remember in Acts it says there were 3,000 souls added that day. That'll come up later. So I'm, I'm, I'm planting that there to come up later. 3,000 souls were added, but most of those people were from out of town. So they all went back to their homes. So day-to-day -day life in the temple, it's a couple hundred of them. And they are coming every day and they are breaking bread in one another's homes. They're talking about the apostles' teaching. They're dedicating themselves to prayer. And everybody likes them. They gain a whole lot of favor with all the people. So there are a bunch of people that they don't really quite want to join this group, this little crowd, this thing that's happening. But they definitely walk by and they're like, oh man, those people, you know, they healed my cousin. My cousin got healed by that guy's shadow. Or do you remember those people were the ones that followed that Jesus guy? And remember he fed all of us and we all ate and it was like miracle food. And we, there's so many leftovers. So they're fond of this group, even though they might not join them. And in one of those visits to the temple, Peter and John heal this guy. He was lame from birth. And once he's healed, he starts jumping around and dancing. So not only were all of his leg mo bones, muscles that had you know, surely been atrophied and, and just skinny little things, but he also was miracled with the ability to balance. 
and to stand and to walk. So it was a complete, a complete healing. Thorough. Acts 3.11, it says, While he clung to Peter and John, all the people... So, he's jumping up and he's dancing, he's jumping around, but he's also clinging to Peter and John. So this could be, not to just dwell on one word too much, but I just want you to picture the scene of this guy that everybody knows is lame. Everybody knows this guy can't walk. He's recognizable. Kind of like you would recognize the guy down in the corner with the God bless sign. You'd be like, hey, that's the guy. He's on the wrong corner. Usually I see him on this corner. Now he's on that corner. People recognize him. He's also holding on to Peter and John. He could be holding on to try to stand up and to try to balance. He could be holding on because he's so excited. I like to think it's both because dudes never walked before, right? Everyone's astounded. They run together to them in the portico called Solomon's. That's just the gate that they're at. When Peter saw all these people come, he addressed them. So this is speech time. There's 24 speeches in the book of Acts. And I think today we're only going to cover one of them. And this is uh, the second one of Peter's. So remember, he got up on Pentecost and he said, talk to everybody. Now, this whole crowd of people, it's not the usual crowd that's surrounding. This whole other group of spectators have come. And they're looking. (gasps) And he says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why are you staring at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? See, everybody wants to be holy. Everybody wants to be right with God. We all want to do this too. We all want this today, right? So when we see somebody that's like, wow, that guy's doing it right. Oh man, she knows how to live a life. We try to figure out how to imitate them. I have to be really careful when I listen to preachers during the week, when I listen to recordings of sermons, because you guys, no joke, I will come in here and I will talk like whoever I listen to all week long. And if you were like some detective, you could probably listen to recordings of my sermons and be like, oh, he listened to Jerry Vernon McGee this week. And you would detect that, or you'd know if I was Alistair Begg, if all of a sudden I had the Scottish accent, you'd be like, he pronounced that like Alistair Begg, because he's been listening to Alistair Begg all week. I do not want to be Alistair Begg, and I don't want to be J. Vernon McGee, even though those guys are all awesome. Neither do you want to be anybody else. You're you. It says in Acts 17, God chose the places and the times that we would live so that we would seek after God. So God made me to live when I live, where I live, because that's the best chance I have to seek after Him. So here I am. Peter does this awesome, awesome job. Every single time he gets up to talk, he doesn't direct anybody towards Him. He doesn't say, yes, I'm Peter, and with my six-week program, you too can heal people with your shadow. Just follow me. That's the coolest thing. Through all the book of Acts, not once did the disciples say, follow me. That's Jesus' words. Jesus says that. So he's directing everybody to Jesus. One time, 
uh, I lived in Central Asia and I worked at this place and I had this coworker and I really wanted, I wanted to tell all my coworkers about Jesus. So I wanted them to spend as much time in my office as I could get them to. And before I went there, I worked at an ad agency and the ad agency had a dartboard. And the boss said, I need somebody to have a meeting at that dartboard every week. Because then I know you're all getting along and you're not stressing out over work, that you're being creative. So nobody's used the dartboard this week. Somebody has to have a meeting at the dartboard. And so I would try to schedule all my meetings at the dartboard just to make sure that got covered and it was a lot of fun. So I go to Central Asia. How do I get people to hang out in my office and stand around and talk a whole lot? I get a dartboard. So I had a dartboard and sure enough it worked. We made jokes about... um, There was a picture hanging in the office of the dictator of the country, and we had to make sure that that picture never made it close to the dartboard or the KGB would carry us away and it would be terrible. So we hung them on opposite walls and it was all really silly and ridiculous. But one day we're throwing darts and there's another guy that worked for the same company from Evansville, Indiana. And this guy says to me, man, I want this, he's Asian guy. I want to visit America someday. And when I visit America, I want to go to Evansville, Indiana. And I said, why? (laughs) Just if all of America rolls out in front of you, he said, because I have met two people from Evansville, Indiana, and they are some of the finest people I've ever met. And I just can't imagine a whole city of people like you. I want to know what it is that you people from Evansville, Indiana are so great. And the Lord's sitting there like, Sully, I threw you the biggest slow pitch ever. Like if you don't hit this, Why did you come 7,000 miles? So I get to say, it's not because we're from Evansville. It's because we follow Jesus. Jesus has made this change in us. And not everybody in Evansville follows Jesus. But I assure you that people that follow Jesus get transformed and changed. And they become different people. May God bless that guy. May May that seed planted that day do something. If we point people to how awesome Evansville is, if we point people to how awesome Westminster Church is, if we point people to anything that isn't Jesus, it's idolatry and we're pointing them to the wrong thing. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Just to think, doesn't that make life easier? Because all of a sudden I don't have to figure out well, now, how's this so good? And how's that so good? And how's this so much better? If I can point them to Jesus, the Holy Spirit Himself will work in them to make them better. And so Peter points everybody. Why do you point to us? Like by our own power or our own piety. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus. So He does that. But this is Peter we're talking about. So here comes the fist. Whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. So Peter is drawing the attention to Jesus 
But he's not going to let them forget that they denied Jesus and had him killed. Not only that, he adds in this little dig that Pilate, who is a Roman pagan and is evil and nobody likes him, wanted to release Jesus. He's like, don't forget that, team. Pilate was going to set Jesus free. And you denied him. You denied the Holy and Righteous One and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are all witnesses. There is a, a very special thing and there's a very careful way to do it to hate our sin and to hate the wrong that we did. To never walk in a way that we, we act like whatever bad thing I did was no big deal. It was a terrible, awful big deal. Our sin is, is wicked and evil. But Jesus died for our sin. So at the same time we balance living by my flesh is a wicked, evil thing. Living by the Spirit is life and peace. But my sin caused the death of a pure man, Jesus. But his death took it away from me. So Peter is balancing these two things. You did this. You killed him. He's the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. You know John 3.16? God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish. I had a buddy one time, he preached through all the 316s, and it's awesome how many of the 316s are like the gospel, like Acts 316. His name, by faith in his name, talking about Jesus, has made this man strong, whom you now see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. Faith in Jesus' name has healed this guy. It's not me. I don't have piety. I don't have power. Don't try to investigate it. It's faith in Jesus' name. He is the author of life. He is the holy and righteous one. Y'all murdered him. God brought him back from the dead. Now, brothers, I know. So, Peter, you will see a lot of time in Peter's speeches. He gives glory to God. He talks about what a dirtbag, garbage punk you are. But don't worry. And then he follows it with hope of salvation. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did all of your rulers. I know that you didn't know what you were doing. What God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, God has now fulfilled in Jesus. Repent, therefore. Turn back so your sins will be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. He says, repent. You didn't know what you were doing. You didn't know He was the Son of God. When you denied Him and you had Him killed. But now you know He's the Son of God because we've seen Him risen from the dead and we've seen His power continue to heal even though He was dead. Like, if he was dead, he wouldn't still be doing these works. He's doing these works because he's alive. 
He's been received into heaven. He gives this little thing. Heaven must receive him until the time comes. And then he says, all the prophets talked about this. If you look in the scriptures that we're all here in the temple, we all know that the temple taught that the, the temple is here from the teachings of Moses. So let's look in the teachings of Moses and you'll see that he, he force, foretold this. This is prophesied. And repent. So repent, a lot of times we hear that and we think it means to quit doing something. And that's true. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you're a thief and you're stealing hubcaps, you should repent of stealing hubcaps, right? But it's a deeper thing. And um, you know this, if you've ever dealt with anybody that was doing something wrong and you were trying to get them to quit doing something wrong, you know this if you've ever had a leak in a pipe at your house. You know this if you've ever had ants invade your windowsill. That if you just stop them from one spot, they're going to find another way. They're going to come through another path. And if repentance just means stop stealing hubcaps and you don't heal your soul, you're probably just going to switch over to stealing cell phones. And you quit stealing cell phones and you're going to start stealing bird baths. And it's just, if you're not treating your heart and soul, you're not changing anything, right? The, the leak is just going to leak out of another spot if you hold your hand there. The ants are just going to get in your house and get on a different windowsill if you get them away from one. Repent is a complete change of mind. A complete change of thinking. Quit thinking that by Peter's piety or power, he was able to heal this person. Know that it's Jesus, the author of life. Know that Jesus is the Savior of the world that took away all of your sins. So you can repent from feeling ashamed... You can repent from being sad about how you're not a good person because Jesus died for your sins. We just sang two songs about it, right? We've been washed clean. We can approach God face to face because Jesus has taken our sin away. So all of that is wrapped up in Peter saying, repent, repent, quit Quit coming to the temple and doing all these sacrifices and looking down, looking down your nose at sinners and, and cursing them. God said, Jesus quoted the prophets. He said, God desires mercy and not sacrifice. It's better for you to not judge the people not going into the temple than it is for you to walk over the top of them on your way into the temple. Wow. Then Peter quotes Moses directly. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet will be destroyed from the people. So really fun Bible study. It's really easy to do. You get yourself a good study Bible that's got all kinds of cross-references in it. And when you're reading the New Testament and it quotes the Old Testament, go look that up. Go look up and see what, what is going on there. What they're, because remember, this is a really religious culture. They talked about 
They talked about the Hebrew Bible. They talked about the Moses and the prophets every day, all the time. It was always a topic of conversation. And so when Peter quotes Moses, everybody's going to know in their mind something about what that's, all, what that's referring to, right? Like if I say Eeyore, and I talk about Eeyore, the more I talk about Eeyore, the more you're going to hear in your head some point, woe is me, and you're going to hear this low voice, or somehow you're going to be like, oh, Eeyore, that's that donkey in, and you're going to think of this yellow bear with a red shirt that doesn't come down over his belly, right? All of that thought about Winnie the Pooh, when I mention Eeyore, is kind of like this is in the first century, when they would say something about Moses, they would think through this whole event and whatever was going on around whatever they quoted about Moses. So, what were they talking about? So you go back to Deuteronomy 18, where Moses said this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your brothers. And to him you should listen. So Moses is saying this to all the people. Just like you said, like you desired the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said to me, so when all the people said to Moses, we don't want to hear the voice of the Lord and we don't want to see his great fire anymore. Otherwise we'll be destroyed. So God speaks, there's fire, there's thunder, there's the, the mountain is on fire, all the people are scared, and they say, please Moses, don't let God talk to us. We will be destroyed. We are not holy. We, we can't talk to God. Talk to God for us, and then tell us what He says, but don't, don't unleash God on us. They were so scared. God said, you're right. You better be scared because y'all are a bunch of idolaters and evil and I'm holy. And if I show up to you, you'll all be destroyed. So you've made a good choice. But I really want to talk to you and I really want to be close to you and I really want to listen. So I'm going to talk to Moses and then Moses is going to talk to you because I want to talk to you face to face. And that's when... God said, I will bring, I will raise up a prophet just like you, Moses, from among their brothers. I'll put my words in his mouth and he will speak to them all that I command him. And whoever doesn't listen to the words that I speak through him, I myself will require of them. I will, they will have to answer to me, basically. And so... The people were afraid of God because they knew God was holy and they knew they weren't. They said, give us an, an intercessor. Give us a mediator. And so God said, okay, Moses, you're going to be the mediator, but I'm going to send somebody that's kind of like you that's going to speak my very words. And I'm going to speak through them. And they're going to be able to talk face to face with him. That set the stage for God himself to come in the flesh in Jesus. So Deuteronomy 18, God shows off how holy he is and all the people recognize that. And then they say, please, we have to talk to a man. We can't talk directly to God. And God said, 
perfect. I will come as a man and I will talk to you face to face. Not only will I come as a man and I will talk to you face to face, but as I come, I will take away that sin. I will take away that sin that makes you afraid to talk to me. Isn't that wild? So back to Peter. That's how Peter could say in Acts 3.24, All the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and to all those who came after him proclaimed in these days, And you are sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, In your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. When he's talking about Abraham's offspring, he's talking about Jesus. All the nations of the world are going to be blessed through him. God, having raised up his servant, sent him, Jesus, to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So Jesus is going to come to you to help you turn from being wicked. So have you ever tried something that you totally new to you and you've never done before and you try it and there's somebody that's an absolute expert at it? And they say, oh, all you got to do is this. And then they do it and you completely lose all hope. And you're like, I don't even, I'm not even going to try. This was me playing guitar like four times in my life. Different times I'm given a guitar. And every time I'm given a guitar or I get a guitar or I have a guitar, guess what else I have? Somebody in my house that is amazing at playing the guitar. And uh, yeah, it just always happens. And I strum and I try to get and I get this and I'm almost there. One time it was Eric Youngblood. One time it was Steve Davis. Another time it was Isaac Sullivan. Well, here, Dad, you do it like this. And he plays all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. We have some friends and they were brother and sister. And the brother could play any instrument that came into his hands. Just incredible. The sister, every time she tried to play something, completely discouraged. She just couldn't play it like, like he could play it. So what if a man came and it was on righteousness? And you were like, you know what? I have tried to be righteous. I can't. I mean, I can't follow. There's 613 laws in the law of Moses. I can't do. I can't even kill an Amalekite. I just, I just can't keep the law. And this guy comes and he keeps the law perfect. And he jams. I mean, he's like Jimi Hendrix on fulfilling the law. And you're like, wow. There. And then he turns and he says. You know, God only needs one of us to follow the law. And since I followed the law perfectly, just like Adam fell and ruined it for everyone, now Jesus has come, fulfilled the law, and nailed it for everyone. He has fulfilled the law completely for all of us. And so we don't have to look at Jesus and be discouraged. I can never live like Jesus. I can never never be as holy as Jesus. I can never be as big as Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, I know. That's why that was the whole point of me coming. Whoever believes in my name 
will be saved. Raising up his servant, he sent him to you first. Bless you to turn every one of you from your wickedness. Because when we see that Jesus did it, and we see that our sins aren't counted against us at all, what does that do? That makes us want to do it out of gratitude. That gives us joy and peace. That gives us a desire to live out this law of love out of, out of our thankfulness, out of our rejoicing, out of the Holy Spirit living in us and guiding us, not out of a fear of obeying a law. This, this has so many implications for us, you guys. Um, I'm around some pretty wicked people sometimes, and they do not call on the name of Jesus to help them with their life. And their lives are really messed up. And I hear what they talk about, and I think, gosh, their life is really messed up. And if they would follow Jesus, if they'd surrender this to Jesus or that to Jesus, things would be better for them, a lot better for them. And I try to find ways to work that into conversation, and ways to bring that up, that I'm not beating them up. I mean, I'm not going to get anything into their head by hitting them over, you know, hitting them with it. But Jesus is the one that turns us from our wickedness. To go back to what Peter said, it's not our own piety and it's not our own power that helps us do these things. It's it's Christ in us. It's the Holy Spirit doing His work. So he says, repent. And as they're speaking, the experts in you do this different and everything will be better for you show up. These are the Sadducees, the priests, the captain of the temple. The Sadducees come upon them. They're annoyed, it says, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So it's not that they don't like them preaching about Jesus. It's that the Sadducees don't think that anybody's going to raise from the dead. It is this tiny little funny religious Issue that the Sadducees get really mad about. But the Sadducees at this time are in charge of the temple. It's their turf. And so if you talk about people coming back from the dead, you're violating the Sadducees' rules. Isn't that wild? Dude just got healed, never being able to walk in his whole life. And there's this funny little religious issue that they are mad about. Well, surely they're not very mad, right? They probably just wrote up a big old blaze on Facebook and like yelled at them and said they don't like them? No. Acts 4.3 They arrested them, they put them in custody and the next day, because it was already evening. They arrested Peter and John. They throw them in jail. Not because they healed the guy, not because they have a big crowd, but because they're talking about uh, resurrection from the dead. And man, if this isn't a warning to us to not get bent out of shape over these very minute religious detail things, I don't know what is. Because they missed it. And it was late in the day. Everybody's going home. We don't want to have this debate right now. Let's just leave them in jail overnight. (laughs) So that's what they do. But the Holy Spirit has the last laugh. The Holy Spirit will always win. Throughout the book of Acts, You'll read terrible things happening. The Holy Spirit always wins. 
And that's a little whisper to us. There is horrible stuff happening to us. The Holy Spirit always wins. Acts 4.4 Many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. <laughs> so they went from a couple hundred people gathering around the temple and being joy and, and sharing their stuff every day and worshiping God together. This dude got healed. Peter got up and said his one little speech in here. And 5,000. So remember I said it's like the mall. It's like a big public place. There's a lot of people there. Everybody that comes there represents at least two or three more people at home. Because there's a lot of times, you know, dad would go and make a sacrifice for the whole family. Make an offering for the whole family. A brother would go to make an offering for a sick brother. Everybody that comes there represents many, many, many more people back at home. And all kinds of people heard this from Peter, that it's Jesus. Wow, it's Jesus. Now remember, if he would have drawn attention to himself, now Peter's locked up. Now what can we do? We can't do anything because Peter's locked up in jail. But it's Jesus, and he's not locked up. It's Jesus' power that did this. The other cool thing is the word... There were five, remember when they fed the 5,000, when Jesus fed the 3,000, how they only counted men because just the way the society was and the way they counted things, they counted men. So it was really a much bigger number. Really weird in the book of Acts in chapter two on Pentecost when 3,000 souls were added. It was 3,000 souls. It's not 3,000 men. They counted the men, the women, the children, they counted all the people that believed that day. Now this funny business, they're back in the temple and there's 5,000 men again. Which means there are a whole lot more people than just these 5,000 men. They're back to just counting the men, which means everybody that brought their wife with them to the temple that day, everybody that the, the wives don't count, the kids don't count, so it's even bigger than this. All because Peter, all because John, and I could say something right now for what they did that was really great, but what would Peter himself say? It's not by, by, by my own piety. It's not by my own power. It's because of Jesus. So Jesus is growing his church and building it. And um, just like the Sadducees left Peter and John in jail, we're going to leave Peter and John in jail until two weeks from now, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you move in power, that you show up in the most unlikely of places with the most unlikely of people, and that these poor fishermen that never had any kind of education would suddenly be your evangelists, and they'd be preaching and 5,000 people would get saved in a day. Lord, I pray that you would work in us, that you would help us to see that you always win, that you would help us to have boldness to, to see where you want to work in power and that we would point all of the attention to you, that many, many more people would call on your name, would worship you, and would live their lives for you.
Thank you so much, Lord, for being a God who is still alive and who is still working in power. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right.